This evening we will discuss Null, but before we begin, begone with thy jeers, and be silent in regard to any crude comments about gun barrels. We are all people of the Empire here, even if most of us learned folk recognize Altdorf as the home of knowledge. Nulnheit, the bastion of the South and the jewel of the Empire, is the chief city of the electoral province of Wissenland, the second largest city of the Empire and the greatest maker and exporter of imperial black powder munitions and war machines. It has gained itself the name of the Armory of the Empire. Being placed at the heart of the Old World's southern trade routes, it stands as a puissant bastion, its fortified walls bristling with sufficient heavy black powder artillery emplacements to make a Bretonian admiral blush. Verily, notwithstanding the foolish remarks of some, Nuln was indeed the heart of the empire for a goodly number of years before it was relieved of its responsibility by the formidable city Altdorf. The annals of Nuln are intermingled with the chronicles of Wissenland, and we shall explore some history of that glorious province as Prehistory. Well. Before Nuln was known, and before the twelve tribes passed through the Black Fire Pass over the mountains, the High Elves held the land that the Empire would later lay claim to. But, ere the first few human tribes fled from the East and its terrors, the ancient Elven civilization had already begun to depart from the land, leaving the ruins of their glorious society scattered throughout the forests and hills of the Old World. Ere the Empire was established, much of mankind dwelt upon the shore of the Telian Sea, having descended from the ancient civilizations of yore. Yet soon came the twelve tribes from the east, fleeing some abominable terror. Through the assistance of the dwarves, these barbarians traversed Blackfire Pass and made their abode in the fecund lands of the north. The old world was unready for these bellicose and zealous barbarians, yet there were many who looked to garner wealth from their naivety. Verily the Talian merchants, having gotten wind of the fresh arrivals, were most enthusiastic to expand their catch by forming trade pathways into newfound markets. Yet such enterprises necessitated a perilous voyage, traversing the pirate's current up the Black Gulf and then taking a lengthy land journey to at long last enter the empire through Black Fire Pass. Or perchance they might sail along the coast to the north, through the uncharted brine of the great ocean, and into the Sea of Claws. Both undertakings brought with them terrible peril and cost in terms of life and gold. Yet the logistical issues were resolved when a daring Tilian merchant from Miraliano found the River of Echoes, a band of murky water that traversed the vaults and into the inner land. Perceiving this as his opening to establish himself as a notable trading force in his homeland, he assembled a vast troop of soldiers and ventured the murky subterranean way. At the last, he had near about half of his voyage wasted by the fears that haunted the caves, but they got forth more or less unscathed, wearied and almost vanquished. They journeyed north, seeking for settlements to establish themselves. With increasing frequency, the expedition encountered the hostile beasts of these untamed regions until they lastly stationed themselves in the remains of an old high elf station and fortification seated against an expansive river. They denominated the spot Nuln and set about to reconstruct it, wishing to employ this place as a trading middle for their fresh undertaking. Greenskin Invasion 
The assurance of a settled commerce would not be fulfilled as yet not. But a few months after the Tilian's habitation, a great multitude of orcs and goblins marched north through the cruel Black Fire Pass. Intent on plunder and devastation, they kindled a fiery way straight towards Nuln. Ahead of the Greenskins were the exiles that fled from the notched swords and horrible jaws. Verily, both humans and dwarfs did seek shelter in the ramparted knoll of this fresh settlement. Victuals and supplies were scantly to be found. There were far too many gullets to nourish, and the defences were too fragile to withstand the multitude for an extended time. Yet all was not lost. Hope emerged from the north. Through might of will and weapon, Sigmar gathered the twelve tribes into a unified army and advanced south to combat the invading multitude. He halted at Nuln, founding a camp there to preserve the budding town from near inevitable ruin, and repelled the host's vanguard. Being aware of more coming, Sigmar animated the people and his warriors, and thrust into the aperture of the pass, vanquishing the Greenskin army for the ultimate time. Rise of the city-state. Peace descended upon the land. While Sigmar wrought the new government with which he would govern, Nuln was but a minor trading hub, naught but a brief respite for merchants travelling to the larger settlements in the north. Nevertheless, this was soon to be altered. Sigmar perceived that internal security depended on the swift transportation of soldiers and commodities, and therefore decreed the building of two grand highways. Verily, the first of these roads was from Altdorf, formerly known as Reichdorf, unto Middenheim. The second led from Altdorf to Nuln. Though it took many years to construct, the effects were immediate. By connecting it to Nuln, the city was elevated to a level comparable to the grand cities of the north. Merchants from all corners of the empire flocked to Nuln to trade in its markets before continuing their journeys upriver. Thus Nuln was met with a sudden surge of growth and prosperity that endured throughout Sigmar's reign and beyond. The betterments to Nuln, conjoined with augmented commerce with the dwarfish holds, enabled it to wax puissant, and the Count of Wissenland shifted his seat of government from Feildorf to Nuln. The throng augmented as more direful perils ascended from the bowels of the vaults and the world's edge mountains, impelling numerous dwarfs from their native dwellings. Accompanying them they brought intelligence of engineering. The Elector Count of Wisenland was a wise man and perceived a chance with these newcomers, and thus, to better the tidiness of his metropolis, he requested the dwarves to build a sewer arrangement for which Nuln is renowned throughout the globe. Verily, trade along the river Rake, a river of great breadth and depth that may permit the passage of vessels from the ocean, brought goods from as far as Marienburg. The gold earned from these exploits enabled the city to enlarge outside of the original high elf ruins and to form walled fortifications on both sides of the river. The Sigmarite Cult Approximately two and twenty years after Sigmar had disappeared, a mendicant friar by the name of Johann Hellström began to wander the streets, exciting the masses with news of a new deity he asserted that he had a vision of Sigmar ascending into the heavens. Driven by his own faith, he spread the word of the new religion to any who would listen, 
As Sigmar was already held in high esteem in this then cosmopolitan city, the lower classes embraced the Sigmarite faith, creating small devotee groups in the more modern sections of town. Subsequently, it became all the rage to repudiate convention, and the younger members of the nobility forsook the antiquated ways in favour of the imperial, god-constructed symbol that was Sigmar. Inspired by his successes in his hometown, Hellstrom voyaged north to Altdorf, where he kept up his efforts to promulgate the word of this new deity. The outcomes were wondrous, and anon the sect of Sigmar obtained imperial approbation with a sanctioned temple in Altdorf. Reverting to Null, the minor clusters coalesced and instituted the original temple of Sigmar on the declivities of the elevation upholding the Count's stronghold. Those folk who persevered in the olden customs were terrified by the presence of the heterodox blot, overshadowing what they envisaged as the veritable deities. The municipality cleft betwixt those faithful to Ulrich and the novel Sigmarites, and occasional scuffles and riots occurred in the thoroughfares. The Imperial Capital In light of the enlarging violence between the disputatious sects in Altdorf, Emperor Fulk made a surprising demonstration of backing for the Sigmarite religion by transplanting the capital to Nuln. Given that Hellstrom, presently the Grand Theogonist, came from this municipality, it was apt that the sovereign should move to an area more propitious to his politics. Vanquished the few endurance of Ulrich that were still left, abandoned the city for Talabakland, where the faith of Ulrich was yet powerful but the emperor's attendance of flatterers and parasites presently filled the emptiness that was left by the departing aristocrats. What had chiefly been a border city was straightway pushed into the chief theatre of imperial politics. Installed in the stronghold of Nuln, Fulk commanded plentiful renovations to the city. Craftsmen utilised stone and timber from the antiquated elf remains to restore the city in the representation of Altdorf, nearly removing any proof of the city's history. With the assistance of a Sigmarite sovereign, the cult of Sigmar made incredible advances in persuading any leftover dissenters and turned into the legitimate religion of the city, setting down on the tales of Sigmar, who was said to have devoured from the waters of the Reich when he pitched here before ceasing the rush of orcs from Blackfire Pass. For the ensuing four hundred years the Empire augmented its confines, forcing back the wild and vanquishing whatever malevolences lurked in the dimness of its woods or below its hills. None became the hub of this labouring and the middle of scholarship and erudition. The Emperor's posterior folk instituted universities and great libraries which in turn attracted yet more persons to study here. Nuln was not simply a mart city but rather developed into a cutting-edge city set on the brink of philosophy, theology, and the sciences. Corruption and Despair For hundreds of years Nuln remained a great seat of imperial power, yet eventually the pure worship of Sigmar was corrupted and scandals abounded in the realms. In the fall of the year of our Lord 1110, the high priest of Sigmar was revealed to be a clandestine adherent to Slanesh. Rumours of his depravity had been bruited about for a good while, yet when the temple went ablaze following an unusually strange orgy, it was revealed that godless chaos cultists had overrun the Sigmarite hierarchs in the capital. Emperor Boris Goalgatherer then moved the capital back to Altdorf to address the gossip pertaining to him, 
and the Nolner's regard for Sigmar went with him. Though the relocation was never in substantial measure, the harm had been done. The depravity and disgrace that had befallen all degrees of the land had prompted many to reject the Almighty. Instead, they resorted to diabolical and abominable means. Not long after, the new high priest of Sigmar was discovered to be dead, his corpse marred with dark buboes. In the subsequent season, the Black Plague descended upon the Empire, travelling swiftly from settlement to settlement, rendering entire towns and villages desolate. It is said that, of ten persons, but three survived the affliction, which would prove to be a trifle in comparison to the onslaught that followed. Fear, woe, and desolation did seize the land, and both afflicted and survivor alike did turn to the ruinous powers for succour, imploring any god who might relieve their distress. Cults did form like buboes on the erstwhile proud state, and in the darkest of moments fearsome beasts did come forth from their burrows beneath the cities. Now, this be but hearsay, to be honest, quite unbelievable. Tis a known fact that the Scarven be a fairy tale, who among us was not told the children's story, bells in the darkness as a youngster by weary parents needing a quiet night's rest. Nonetheless the following be how twas conveyed. Seeking to make men their bond-slaves, and to bring about a dismal refashioning of the world according to their own delirious design, the Scarven cast a pall of dread and destruction. The great cities seemed to promise sanctuary against this calamity, yet even the strongest, such as Null, Altdorf, and Middenheim, were not ready to receive such an influx of desperate people fleeing the disasters. In Nuln the displaced did set up a shanty-town without the Universita, Nuln's intellectual centre, and in time it became the Neustadt district, home of the most wealth in the city. Of a truth, the Scarven menace was overthrown, and the Empire triumphed over its adversaries. Mandred Ratzler was a champion, vanquishing the Scarven and driving them back to their warrens. However, this triumph was tinged with the common loss of life and the desolation of the Empire's provinces. The Civil War and the Three Emperors The capital did oft shift its position in the years succeeding Mandred's decease, following the advancement of each new emperor. During this age of confusion, nobles sought to gain preeminence in a selfish game of policy. The conflicts that had been mounting for nigh two hundred years reached their climax when the Grand Duke of Stirland, with the impetuous assistance of the sect of Sigmar, was chosen to be emperor in Nuln. Though many Nulners had strayed from the faith of Sigmar in the years leading up to the Great Plague, many, at least those who had not given themselves over to the Dark Gods, returned to Sigmar's embrace in the tumult that followed. It was widely believed that the plague and war were both divine chastisements for mankind's wayward excesses. Indeed, this did provoke a mighty surge of devout conservatism, and Nuln became the prime seat of the Sigmarite faith. Those who would not adhere to the doctrines of Sigmar found the city quite inhospitable, and gangs of zealous adherents roamed the avenues, seeking out unbelievers to hound. In the midst of the religious ardour in Nuln, the cult of Sigmar and the cult of Ulrich persisted as rival factions. The clergy of Ulrich never allowed Sigmar's holiness and esteemed all of his devotees as heretics. Even with the commendation of some sovereigns, animosity ran high betwixt both sects, and the fact that Sigmar flourished while Ulrich declined 
was not overlooked by the supporters of the ancient customs. The veneration of Sigmar was a beloved faith of the nobility in many of the modern cities such as Altdorf and Nuln, whilst Middenheim and Talabekland withstood the encroachment of the Sigmarite temple into their lands. Since the demise of Mandred, most elected rulers had remained impartial to the vehement disputes between the multiple theological factions. However, when the last emperor passed, the elector counts assembled in accordance to their stances on the matter of religion. The devotees of Sigmar were powerful and influential. Despite the toil of the counts dutiful to Ulrich, the Grand Duke of Stirland, a manifest admirer of the Sigmarites, did prevail. His inaugural deed was to impose a severe tax upon the cult of Ulrich. This was the ultimate provocation. The Grand Duchess Ottilia of Talabicland was of the opinion that the crown was lawfully hers. She accounted that she had been defeated in the election owing to the perfidy and conniving of the Sigmarites. In the year 1360, Anno Imperii, she proclaimed herself empress, forbidding the veneration of Sigmar in her province, in retribution for the imposition of taxes. In the following two centuries, the empire descended into civil war, with both sides equipping armies of equal strength until they eventually became locked in a perpetual series of skirmishes. Emperors were still elected and consecrated in Nuln, while the crown of Ottilia passed to her descendants. The turmoil of this era caused several smaller provinces to proclaim their independence. The Emperor of Nuln did bestow the Runefang of Drakwald unto the von Bildhofen family, as a recompense for their making of a declaration of independence from the Ursites of the Greater Middenheim. War did sweep across the land, and chaos did reign superior, only to be made yet more perplexed when the Graf of Middenheim did proclaim himself Emperor too. Just as it had been during the years prior to the great plague of 1111 IC, mankind had turned its back to the gods. Verily the politicians did employ Sigmar to validate heinous laws and merciless decrees, and the people once more did doubt the legitimacy of the priests. A great many did turn to the ruinous powers in search of replies. The cults waxed in power, and the witch-hunters were too few to suppress them. In Nuln, this unbelieving atmosphere was highly potent, the character of the city became sombre. The novitiate forges across the river expulsed mists of ash and vapours into the atmosphere. The hovels developed into a congested rookery, and strange transformations became manifest amongst the multitude. Those distressed who weren't cast away from the metropolis took to the drains, constituting a society of their own. The Orc Invasion of Gorbad Ironclaw Divided twixt three emperors, the empire was powerless against foreign menaces. This was made clear when the orc warlord Gorbad Ironclaw pressed on through the Black Fire Pass without opposition. The warlord sacked Nuln and then burned the moot. The mob then marched on to Soland and, to the great disgrace of the empire, slayed Count Eldred of Soland, purloining his runefang. Travelling the Upper Reich, Ironclaw brought immense havoc and desolation in his train, leaving a path of bereavement and misfortune in his wake. His rabble encompassed Altdorf, laying siege to the town wherein Emperor Sigismund resided at that time. Despite the orc-ridden wyverns slaying the emperor, the city stood firm, and the throng eventually subsized, returning to the wilderness. And so, when Soland was laid waste, Wissenland laid claim to the lands therein, in response, the other provinces did call for Nuln to be severed from Wissenland. To still the tumult, Nuln became an independent city-state, yet it accomplished nothing, for the empire was at its nadir. 
In the face of the ever-growing confusion, it appeared that man had fallen into iniquity whole. Verily, Sigmarite worship ne'er fully recovered in Nuln. In its stead, the city turned from its religious foundations to adopt secular ideas, as well as turning to Verena, patron of intellectuals, scholars, and thinkers. The fast transformation of sentiments, in conjunction with the persistent hazard of fresh incursion from the south, metamorphosed Nuln from merely a mercantile city to one of military advancement. And since that time, the wisest minds of the old world have come hither to learn the craft of warfare. Magnus the Pious For centuries the ruinous powers had grown in influence, strengthened by the vast support of the sects within the empire and the migrating swarms of beastmen in the Drakwald. In the year 2301 I.C., a formidable force of chaos erupted from the northern regions, invading Kislev and bringing destruction to the land. As they moved, they accumulated numerous disenchanted veterans of the civil wars of the empire. Prague being fallen to the forces of chaos, the survivors fled southwards, bringing tidings of the direful menace that threatened the discordant land. Contemporaneous with the invasion, the cultists sprung forth from their secret burrows to wage strife against the subjects of the empire. The beastmen from the Drakwald spread desolation and ruin, laying waste to the hamlets that fringed the woodlands. Thus so, it appeareth that the empire was in its last agonies. Yet, lo, a hero did arise. Magnus, a scholar and theologian of Null, waxed wroth with the empire's feebleness and the avarice of the gentry. A prodigy and zealot, he held novel opinions on patriotism and the sanctity of Sigmar, and his kindred dispatched him to the University of Nuln to direct his tremendous ardour. Verily he did draw unto himself a great multitude of like-minded individuals, who held his convictions and ardour in high esteem. E'en ere the war did break out, Magnus was renowned for his travels, in which he and his companions would traverse through the Reichland to deliver stirring orations. These early attempts did set Magnus as a grand hero amongst the common folk, sowing the soil for his eventual ascension to power. War did then break out. Magnus did behold this misfortune as a token from Sigmar to rescue the Empire from its own affairs. He augmented his labours in treating forthrightly to the populace instead of squandering time in the assemblies of the elector counts. He amassed a great host of devotees, becoming so puissant that even the political and financial rulers of the land were constrained to rally beneath his ensign. The ultimate step was to journey north to Middenheim to reconcile the breach between those who worshipped Ulrich and those who followed Sigmar. Stepping into the hallowed white flames, Magnus came out whole, and with this token, even our Ulrich, the most dogged antagonist of the Sigmarite cult, was constrained to admit the veracity of Sigmar's divinity. Magnus led his army north and encountered the ghastly horde in Kislev. Strengthened by dwarves, Kislevites, and the high mage Teclis, with his cabal of elf magi and their human disciples, the Empire conquered the chaos attackers, permitting Magnus to return victorious. Within a twelve-month of the subjugation of chaos, the Elector Counts appointed and chose Magnus Emperor, consolidating the Empire for the first time in years. Magnus settled his throne in his native city of Nuln, causing it to become the imperial seat. He abolished the interdict on sorcery and put up the colleges of magic in Altdorf. He did reunite and refashion the provinces, re-establishing them to their original magnificence. 
For the first time in a long while the Emperor was mighty again, and thus initiated the Empire's Golden Age. Loss of the Imperial Seat After Magnus, Nuln remained the seat of the Empire until 2421 IC, when a fresh orcish menace appeared. Grom the Paunch trounced the dwarves at the Battle of Iron Gate and marched northwards, laying waste to portions of Nuln in the process. Grom's passage through the Old World would not be everlasting. Soon after he began his bloodthirsty war to exterminate humanity, he established a navy and sailed westward, never to be seen again. Historians have debated this unusual course of action with little delivery. It simply appears that the Orc was idiotic. Anyway, eight years henceforth, in a scandal concerning the succession of Marienburg, Emperor Dieter IV of Nuln was deposed, and the crown was transferred under the Grand Prince of Altdorf thus ending Nuln's place as the primary city in the Empire. Despite no longer being the hub of the Empire, Nuln has managed to stay strong, both as a mercantile and scientific metropolis. Nuln doth proudly boast the Imperial Gunnery School, the University of Nuln, and even a rival college of engineering near as innovative as Altdorf's own. Nuln hath drifted back into the control of Wissenland, and the Elector Count of the province hath gained the title of Count of Nuln. Final Thoughts These past years, Nuln hath reconstructed itself anew to erect itself as a chief city in the Empire, and remains a centre for learning, industry, and the arts. The sovereign Nobel of the city, Countess Emanuel von Liebwitz, hath provided wise governance of the city, even despite the cruel and plausibly true tales that are circulated of her. Nulners might be tedious in their excessive love of the stench of sulphur and lewd plays, but no sane person among us could call their city anything but a bedrock of the Empire. Thank you for attending this lecture. May Sigmar and I suppose Verena walk with you.